Scratch the Bible is a podcast of Spring Baptist Church that walks through selected books of the Bible verse by verse, as well as spends time exploring biblical ideas and topics to help you understand and apply God's Word in your daily life. Pastor Dale Stein of our Klein campus will be leading each week's study. This is our 68th episode. Thank you for joining us today. We are continuing our great series on the Bible. And so the last three episodes, we've talked about an overview of the Bible, the New Testament and the Old Testament. Pastor Daryl, as we get into today's study, do you have any thoughts about what we've talked about or any kind of summary to get people up to speed or just remind them what we've talked about? Yes. So as we have this overview um, of the Bible, one of the things that Dr. McKellar has said a couple of times that has really stuck with me is a great reminder is that God has preserved his word uh, to us. And so we have a great, we can have great confidence in what it says because of all the manuscripts that are out there. You know, we only have a few copies of some ancient classic writings, but we have literally thousands of full copies or fragments uh, from both the Old and New Testament. And it's amazing how God has preserved those. So we would have full confidence in knowing that what we have in our Bible is his revealed word to us. I love that idea. And I think it's a distinctly Christian thing that we strive for a higher level of authenticity, that if the world says this is okay, well, we're going to go to here. You know, we're going we're gonna to be better. We're going to have more um, honest copies of something. We're going to have more, uh, more detailed um, backgrounding information, all that. Like the world says, you know, this is the standard for authentic- authenticity. Well, I love the idea that the Bible blows past that. And uh, so, well, well, that's great. Well, let's um, talk about today's topic, and then we'll get right in with our special guest. So what is today's topic? Well, it's all about Bible study tools. And here's the thing is that as we read and study the Bible, we are separated by time and by culture and by location. And there are times when we read uh, certain passages in the Bible, and they can be difficult to understand or for us to grasp fully at what the implications are. And sometimes it's helpful to rely on some really good scholarly resources to help us better understand what was going on at the time to fully grasp uh, the richness of the meaning of the text. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. That sounds like a great time. So why don't you introduce our special guest and give everybody a, a little bit of of a reminder who he is, and then you guys get right into the interview. Well, we are really fortunate to be joined by Dr. Matthew McKellar. He's a professor of preaching in the School of Theology at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. So he joined the the seminary faculty in 2009, but prior to that, he was a pastor in different Texas churches for 28 years. Now, as a reminder, Dr. McKellar did graduate with his bachelor's degree from Baylor University. He holds a Master of Divinity as well as a PhD from Southwestern Seminary. And so we are very honored and pleased to have Dr. McKellar back with us today as we begin episode four. And Dr. McKellar, welcome. Thank you for joining us again today. Thank you so much, Daryl. Always great to be with you. Looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you. So as we 
study God's word. Uh, I remember there, Peter wrote a passage in Second Peter where he says, you know what? Even Paul wrote things that are hard to understand. And I, when I read that, I think, oh my gosh, thank goodness it's not just me who struggles at the time understanding scripture. And I, I find, though, that there are other tools that I can use to help me have a deeper understanding of the Bible. So when it comes to Bible study tools, what are some things that are available to all of us that can help us to better understand the word? Yeah, well, um, <laughs> when it comes to tools, you know, you have everything from uh, from study Bibles to maps to, to parallel Bibles. Um, and so uh, the, there, there's such a, a vast range of options today, Daryl. And I think one thing that has, <clears throat> excuse me, one thing has really helped here, uh, you know, people talk about the, the positives and the negatives of the internet. There are plenty of negatives, but one of the positives is the easy access to information. Uh, you know, I think about that a person now can Google, they can basically go to Google and type in a question and get a number of answers. Now, the problem with that is uh, all of the articles and all the information that you might pull up on Google uh, does not carry with it the same, uh, they don't carry with it with them the same degree of accuracy. That is, some sources are more accurate than others, but uh, you, you, you can get a lot of help there. But uh, I think uh, there, there's been a proliferation of, of uh, study Bibles today. You know, you have the ESD study Bible, you have the MacArthur study Bible, the Reformation study Bible, uh, way back when I was in school, the Crucible study Bible. And I think these can be very helpful. Uh, if I were going to recommend one study Bible right now, and usually when we talk about study Bibles, we're talking about Bibles that have, they have notes with them. Uh, I would probably recommend uh, the ESV study Bible because the ESV is my preferred translation. I know we can talk more about that in a moment. But the thing about study Bibles, I constantly warn my students and, uh, and uh, those in churches where I preach, you've got to remember that the notes in any study Bible are not inspired. They're not inerrant like the text of Scripture. And sometimes that can get people bogged down. And so I think that's an important distinction to make. Absolutely. And again, these are simply, all, all these things we're going to look at today, they are simply helps to help us better understand the true inspired word. Um, and so, yeah, the study Bibles, they're easily recognized because you typically see folks in church that have the really thick Bibles. More than likely, those are the study Bibles because like the ESV, I love that study Bible. It has tens of thousands of notes in there. So great um, notes in there from some very brilliant people to help us understand that better. Now, um, we have different Bible translations as well. And I've seen also some really thick Bibles that have two or more Bible translations in them, right? Right. These are, these are your, your so-called parallel Bibles. And, you know, there, there are a number of good sources, you know, to find those parallel Bibles. In fact, you could go on uh, christianbook.com or even on Amazon, big book, uh, but you have, it's like a side-by-side -side reference, whether it's New American Standard, ESV, King James, and you can look at how the, how the different translations translate uh, passages and verses of Scripture, and that can be very helpful. 
Yes. Yeah, so <clears throat> there are times when um, we may want to get a nuance of a certain word, or maybe we're reading a very literal text, such as the New American Standard, and we come across some difficult wording, and we think, gosh, I'm not really sure what these word means. So we might go to something like the New Living Translation to help smooth out that translation to better understand. So parallel Bibles are definitely very helpful. Now, um, sometimes we come across words and we don't know the meanings. And just like we do in normal everyday life, uh, if we don't know what a word means, we can go to a dictionary. And so there are things such as Bible dictionaries too, correct? Yes, and these can be, uh, these can be very helpful. I think of a, a couple that quickly come to mind. There's the Holman Bible Dictionary. Uh, it's been around a long time. It's kind of a standard go-to source. And also uh, there is the, the Vines uh, Dictionary of the Bible. And this can be very helpful because you can look up words just to make sure you've got the right understanding uh, and the right, uh, as you mentioned, use the term, a good term, the, the nuance of a particular word or a particular concept. And I found that the dictionaries uh, can also be a help. I know we're going to talk about maps in a moment, but a lot of times a dictionary can help with the uh, the names of a specific, a specific geographical location and helping you uh, nail down in your mind exactly where a place is located in, in comparison to other places in the ancient Near East. So these dictionaries can come in very handy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, moving on to maps, um, <clears throat> we see, especially in the Old Testament, we see all these locations named. We see during the Exodus all these places where the people of Israel went, and sometimes we don't have a great appreciation for how far things apart you know, were, how cities, how far apart they were, uh, or the basic geography or the landscape. And so those maps can help us gain a better perspective on how far people travel to things, especially when we understand too, that they were walking. And so some of these distances are quite great. And so just like if we're going to look at a map of the United States to plan a trip, those maps help us better understand distances people travel in, in the old and new testaments. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And very, very helpful. You know, I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you have that frequently repeated geographical designation related to Israel in the Old Testament from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. Well, that, that, uh, it, it, help, it helps to be able to look at a map and to see, okay, here's Dan and here's Beersheba. It's helpful to know, for instance, that you have the city of Jerusalem and like a suburb of Jerusalem is the village or the town of Bethlehem, of course, the birthplace of Jesus understanding those things uh jesus writes about uh or the, god john's gospel writes uh, about how jesus much needs go through samaria and so when you have these geographical references and designations it can be very helpful to be able to uh, uh get a get a picture in your mind through a map of where this is located um or you think about uh, the parable jesus told uh the the Good Samaritan, uh, a man is on going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Well, uh, if you've ever been over there, you know that uh, you do go down. It's a precipitous decline. Uh, those little things can help. And so uh, maps are very helpful. Uh, one, one reference I'll mention is the Crossway ESV Bible Atlas. Um, it's probably one of your newer map sets. And uh, 
uh, found it to be very helpful, very accessible. Um, so the maps can certainly be a help to us. Uh, if a person has not been to the Middle East, hasn't been to the so-called Holy Land, uh, today those maps are a great resource uh, to do just what you described, Daryl, being able to understand how far was this place from this, uh, where is this city located in comparison to, say, Jerusalem? Uh, where is this city located, say, in comparison to ancient Nineveh? Uh, anything that can clarify our, our understanding of the original setting is a huge plus. Mm-hmm. Now, moving on from maps, um, I'm thinking specifically now of Paul. When I read through his writings, there are certain words that he will use repeatedly. And sometimes um, those words are nuanced. He has a slightly different meaning in, in, in another part of Scripture where he writes. But as we look and see how some of these words are used over and over again, we might come across a word like justification, and we go, okay, I'm reading it here. Are there any other places in the Bible, or specifically in Paul's letters, where he uses the word justification? If so, where do I find it? And for something like that, a concordance is your primary tool to go and find all of those, correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think about the old standard standby, Strong's Concordance, uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, back in my day, most everybody had uh, a, a <clears throat> seminary student would have a copy of Strong's Concordance. Just for the reason you mentioned, you're looking at a word that may be used a multiple, uh, multiple times in Scripture. And so you get a chance to see not only where it is used, but also something of how uh, it is used in a particular context. Like you said, the concept of justification. I think about the word sanctification. Uh, I think about other words in Scripture where where uh, Paul will use these uh, pretty fancy-sounding words like propitiation. And so it's helpful for us to see where these words are used and the ways in which they're employed because those nuances um, do make a difference and context is really important. Uh, what is the biblical author's goal under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in using this word in making this particular argument or presentation? So uh, a concordance is, is, is a helpful thing to have in every student's library. Yeah, in fact, as you mentioned, I've got the strong exhaustive concordance, and I bet you that thing is at least five inches thick. And you start out the first, and again, it takes the English translation. So for me, the first word is the first letter, which is A. And it counts the total number of times the word A is used, and it gives you the total word count, and it gives you every single passage of Scripture that has the word A in it. And so uh, it is exhaustive. Now, um, moving on from there, fortunately, we are blessed by having <clears throat> over or about 2,000 years of very brilliant scholars, theologians who have studied God's Word and documented their findings uh, and their insights. Um, and what we find is a lot of these works are documented in what we call commentaries. And so, um, can you talk to us a moment about what a commentary is and how that can be helpful as we study the Word? Yeah, great question, and I'm glad to, Daryl, uh, because this gets to what what I do with students uh, at the seminary when I'm teaching preaching courses. The, the thing about commentaries and sources other than Scripture, in fact, resources that comment on Scripture, 
uh, I always tell my guys, you're, if you're preparing to preach or preparing a Bible study, uh, avoid going immediately to the commentaries. Uh, what you want to do is read the, read the text in English and read it and read it again and again and again. And uh, then after that, go to your lexical resources. You know, use your concordance, use your parallel Bibles, um, use your Greek and Hebrew helps to understand the meanings of the words used in the text. And only after doing that, only when you're able to get a grasp based on your own study, hey, this is what this text is addressing. This is what's about, what it's about. Only then do you go to the commentaries. And the reason I say that, Daryl, is whether you're a pastor, someone who preaches or teaches regularly, or you're just a layman who love the Lord, you love the Word, and you want to be uh, a better student of God's Word, I think it's critical that we, we seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible is sufficient. We were talking about the sufficiency of, of Scripture in a previous uh, episode. And the idea is that God has preserved His Word He's inspired it by his Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, as you know, Daryl, guides us into the truth and will illuminate and will give us illumination and give us understanding. And so we don't want to short circuit that process. Now, once we realize that, what I like to do with my students is, is deal with commentaries on three different levels. Level one is what I would call the most technical slash exegetical uh, commentaries. The, often these are very thick works. They've got loads of footnotes. There is a treatment uh, in in a lexical fashion of if it's Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek. I mean, there's a detailed treatment of the words, how those words are used, grammar and syntax. Often it's far more than what most guys in a normal setting would ever use or need. However, it can be very helpful. An example of that would be what's known today as the New International Commentary on the Greek Testament, which is a tremendous resource. So I tell my guys, look, if you're preaching and teaching, you want to have uh, you want to have a level one source that is something that is really in depth in terms of grammar and syntax, lexicography, and how words are used, and how not only. Uh, uh, it's not only an issue of what those words mean, but how the words in a text are used in comparison uh, and in uh, with reference uh, to each other. So that's a level one commentary. Another level one example would be a lot of the a lot of the commentaries in the New American Commentary series, which was what followed uh, our original Broadman Commentary series. A lot of really good work uh, that that's done there. Then there are individual commentaries. May not be on a, a, a you know, there may not be a set, uh, but these are in depth. All right, that's level one. Level two is what I call your mid range commentaries. And an example of this would be the preaching the word commentary series that Crossway has put out. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you you teach Sunday school or or you're a late person and, and maybe you don't teach, you just want to get a better grasp of Scripture, uh, I can't think of a more helpful resource than than the Preaching the Word series. Kent Hughes has edited a lot of that, and uh, uh, 
They use pastors who 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 give some exegesis, some in-depth treatment of the text, but then there's strong application. Uh, it's very pastoral. So that's a level two example, okay? Level three is what I call the more devotional slash uh, reading sermons. You know, uh, the most famous English-speaking preacher in the 19th century was Charles Spurgeon. He was so popular that... Uh, when he preached on Sunday, they transcribed his sermons, cabled them across the Atlantic, and those sermons were printed in American newspapers. Uh, so um, there's a there's a real value to reading uh, the devotional and the sermon transcript work of others. I think about people like Spurgeon and Alexander McLaren, uh, who was a contemporary of Spurgeon, who uh, pastored in Manchester for some 40 years. Um and as you, I think, alluded to earlier today, you can go back. Uh, you can go back, and you can read the sermons of Calvin and Luther. You can go back to the patristic period, and you can read homilies by John Chrysostom. Uh, so th- there is a proliferation of resources, uh, and it's, it's just for us to to tap into those. So those commentaries are very important. But we want to be sure that we don't short circuit the simple process of our seeking the Lord and the leadership of his Holy Spirit to get an understanding of a text. And then we go to commentaries and we understand that the Lord may use the scholarship of others to correct us and to sharpen us. So that would be my overview on the commentaries. Okay, great. Now, you mentioned earlier that we are very fortunate to live in this digital age, high tech. So, of course, we have the Internet. But then uh, there are also some great Bible software packages that are available to us that really uh, take a number of resources and pull them all together and allow us to do very quick searches and have a lot of information right at our fingertips. Correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's an apt analogy. You know, it just pulls so much together. I suppose uh, uh, two of the key software uh, plans that that, uh, I hear the most about and uh, that I've made use of myself, uh, you have the Accordance Bible Software, A-C-C-O-R-D-A-N-C-E. And then, of course, there's Logos. and several years back, I got a Logos uh, basic package, um, which which I still continue to, to, to use to some extent today. Uh, but they can be very, very helpful. Um, let me just offer this for the, for the beginning Bible student or the beginning pastor or preacher out there. Don't feel like you've got to go get the premium package from Accordance or Logos. Start slowly. Uh, you want you want to have what you need, but you don't need to purchase things that you actually you may never tap into or, or utilize. So you want to be a careful steward and move slowly uh, through that. But the software can be incredibly helpful. It can save you time because at the click of a button, you can scroll through and you can see uh, you can see what Alexander McLaren wrote on this passage. You can see what. Uh, Bingle wrote on this passage, or or uh, Spurgeon, or any any number of commentaries. Matthew Henry, uh, I could go on and on. Uh, but uh, if I could, Daryl, let me mention one resource that I found very helpful. It's free. It's easy to access. And if you're listening, uh, you may want to jot this down. 
and in fact, uh, uh, Daryl, if it's possible, you might even want to include the link. Um, it's very easy. There is a website called BibleHubHub.com. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've recommended uh, this source to other pastors and to my students. Basically, if you go to BibleHub.com, you can type in a Bible text. I think it's been so helpful to me. You can click on the button that says interlinear. And what you'll see, for instance, in New Testament text, you'll see the Greek text and you'll see the translation under it. But not only that, you'll see, uh, you'll see a grammatical treatment a grammatical analysis, you can click a button and find out the part of speech. Is this a verb? Is this a noun? And not only that, what kind of verb is it? Is it a present tense verb? Is it a past tense verb? Uh, and I could go on and on. Uh, this is critically, critically helpful. And I'll give you a quick example. And one of the ways we do that is by distinguishing a main clause from a subordinate clause. A main verb, an imperative command, let's say, from a participial phrase because a participle is actually uh, a verbal modifier that's always going to be subordinated uh, to a verb. And you say, oh, how does that make a difference? Quick example here, Daryl. Let's say you're in First Peter chapter 5 where Peter says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Okay, humble there is, uh, is a present imperative command. Okay, I'm to do that consistently regularly. And then the very next verse, casting all your cares on her, on him. Casting there is a participle. Uh, grammatically, a participle should be subordinated to a main verb. And so as I look at that text, I see, okay, humble yourselves. Okay, well, what does humbling yourself look like? Well, it apparently includes the act of casting my cares on the Lord. And you know, that makes perfect sense, Daryl, because proud people don't pray. Mm -hmm. Uh, Proud people don't pray. Humble people are aware of their aching dependence and they're casting their cares on the Lord. And Mm -hmm. so uh, uh, I remember years ago hearing uh, Chuck Swindoll say uh, the difference between something good and excellent is attention to detail. Well, when you get to the biblical languages and these biblical commentaries, this is where you can move from good to excellent to the glory of God. And so BibleHub.com can be a great resource for you. And I'm so glad you're mentioning these great free and low-cost resources because here's one thing I want our folks to understand. It is not necessary for you to go out and spend a ton of money to better understand the Bible, to be a better student. Uh, We talked about about commentaries, a good one volume commentary can really move the needle as far as your Bible study goes. Um, you know, something that, that's very basic, a good study Bible will have maps at the back. So we have all these resources available at little or no cost to you. So please understand, we're not asking you to make a large investment. The resources are out there. And again, we'll provide, Dr. McKellar has given us some sources. We're going to provide some resources to you in the show notes of this episode so that you can uh, go to those and begin to be a better student of God's word. So we're looking at all these other resources that can help us. But one thing I found as I'm reading through scripture and the Holy Spirit is bringing things to my mind 
Um, I can journal those things. And sometimes, uh, I don't know if it's a sin or not, Dr. McKellar, but I actually do make notes in the margins of my Bible. Is, is that okay? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you included that, uh, that reference because uh, let me encourage you, uh, the Bible is holy, uh, but the paper it's written on, it's certainly fine for you to write and to circle and underline uh, if that's going to help you remember God's word, it's going to be meaningful to you uh, to make your own notes. Uh, in fact, over the years, I've marked up uh, several Bibles. Um, a year, several years ago, I was teaching overseas and came back, uh, uh, landed back in Texas, uh, and had my car parked at a uh, uh, at a grocery store. Uh, and it wasn't even nighttime, but I came back out. And someone had done the old smash and grab and stolen my briefcase uh, that had my Bible. That was one of the saddest days of my life because I had I had that Bible. I'd gotten it to the point where I had all my favorite notes and outlines and stuff. And that was a huge loss for me. Um, so, yes, journal, write, whatever you need to do. Uh, in fact, often uh, to this day in my preaching, um, I, I try to take few or no notes uh, into the preaching setting, uh, but often I will write, I will make small notes in the margins of the Bible just to uh, maybe remind me of where I'm going with my outline and my main points in the sermon. So I think that can be a very, very helpful thing. You know, uh, uh, when I was in college, I remember a professor telling us young students, you know, if you write it down, you're more likely to remember it. Uh, and if you write it down three or four times, the percentages go way up. So let me encourage you to do that. Don't be afraid to journal and write and keep records and write all through your Bible. Yeah, and in fact, uh, some publishers are aware of this, and so they even make wide-margin Bibles specifically for the purpose of journaling. And so here's the other great benefit, I think, is that if we are making all of our notes, if we're highlighting, if we are making certain notations about some of our favorite passages, what a great treasure then that we can leave as a legacy to uh, our loved ones that we leave behind because they'll have our Bible and they can go through it and they can see um, how God was speaking to us and what we found uh, to be very important as we read through God's word. And so what a great uh, piece that is to be able to pass that along to others uh, in our family so they can have a great memory as to what we thought of God's word. So I think journaling can serve uh, some really great purposes there, not just for ourselves, but for the benefit of others. Now, we've been talking about tools that are available to us, but let's not overlook the best and the first resource, the most powerful resource that God has given us to understanding his word. And that is the Holy Spirit, because he inspired it. He knew what he intended for the meaning to be at the moment he inspired it. And so if the Holy, that same Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, Dr. McKellar, speak to us then about how God uses the Holy Spirit as we read his word. Yeah, you know, I think about what Jesus said to his disciples. You know, he said, I'm, uh, I'm going to, to leave you. Uh, I'm going to be physically absent from you, but I will not leave you without a comforter, uh, without the 
uh, we, we have the English word from the Greek term, the paraclete, the one who is called alongside. And what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? He will guide you into all truth. So one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is that he, and notice I use he, he's not a force, not a not an impersonal, he is, he's a he, he's the spirit of God. And we know from Ephesians 4.30, he can be grieved, he has emotions, which is astounding. But what does the Bible say? He will guide you in the truth. And he will instruct you concerning what? Truth, righteousness, and judgment, and conviction. And so I think too often today we take that for granted. Um, I, I remember hearing said, and I try to remember it myself, uh, the Lord wants us to know his will and to know his word a lot more than we want to know it, okay? And so I think I think that's the provision of the Holy Spirit. When we're dealing with a difficult passage of Scripture and we don't understand it, we can hit our knees and say, Lord, I'm opening up your word. Let me understand it. Let me see in this text what you want me to see. I need your illumination. I need you to uh, open my eyes so that I might behold wonderful things in your law. That's right, that's right out of Psalm 119. And so often I think in our modern world, with that, that's the danger. I love all of these resources, these commentaries, these, these uh, internet tools, these software packages. They are wonderful. We're blessed. But the great danger is we must beware lest a dependence on those should short circuit or somehow lessen our dependence on the Holy Spirit of God who inspired that very word of God. So I think we need to bathe our study uh, in in prayer, uh, prayerful dependence, asking for the Holy Spirit to give us illumination. Absolutely. Yeah, because I cannot tell you how many times I've been in sermon prep and I will read and read and read over and over, struggling to understand and nothing is coming. And I pray that God would just illumine this, help me to understand, remove the barriers of my understanding. And as I seek him, I'm reminded to, you know, you will you will you will seek me, you will find me when you seek with me with all your heart. And so as I seek the Holy Spirit's insight to understand and better understand the particular passage and how the passage fits in the book and how the book fits in to the entire redemptive story um he will reveal those and again i believe that if we're truly seeking him that he will honor that and he will show us uh what indeed the word is meant to say to us and so um uh, I think that should always be the number one resource. And here's the amazing thing is that if we're saved, we already have that resource. It is yes. fully available to all of us. That's right. Amen. Absolutely. Well, Dr. McKellar, thank you so much uh, for your for your time today. We are really appreciative of that. And again, we're going to have some resources available to everyone in the show notes so that you can go there and, and find those and uh, hopefully they will be helpful to you as you dive deeper into God's word. So Dr. McKellar, I'm looking forward to our next and final episode as we look at some different Bible translations. So Dr. McKellar, thank you. And we will see you then next week. Thank you so much, Daryl. That's such a great discussion on so many things that are available to help us broaden our understanding 
And uh, what what a great talk. That's stuff normally people don't get to hear um, because a pastor doesn't generally walk out and go, today I used these 27 tools. So it's awesome to hear an inside look into that. Now, Pastor Daryl, as you are I'm thinking about what you guys talked about, is, is, is there a big idea, a point sticking out in your mind that you just want to reiterate? Yeah. So um, the number one thing, and Dr. McKellar and I did discuss this at length here, is that our number one resource as we read and study God's Word is the Holy Spirit. After all, He inspired the words. He knows exactly what He meant for them to be at the time that they were written. And so uh, our number one resource, and this is the great thing about being reborn, about being regenerated, about being saved, is that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. So as we read our Bible, as we pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate and show us what the meaning is, that should be our our number one resource. Um, But then there are times, too, where we simply need help. We are so far removed uh, from the time of the Bible that uh, the Holy Spirit may not reveal to us some of the cultural issues, or as we look at maps and try and determine distances, you know, the Bible doesn't say, oh, this city was this far from this city. And so uh, sometimes it's important for us to understand uh, routes that that people took on certain adventures, um, or it might help us to understand what certain words mean, like the big word propitiation. Well, a Bible dictionary will help to explain to us what that word means. So surely the Holy Spirit is there as our number one resource, but then fortunately there have been very brilliant people who are currently alive and have lived in the past who have made a a, a vocation, a lifetime vocation of studying the Bible, and they can give us some great helps as well. That's that's a great word. Now one of the things that struck me as I was listening was how weird our society is that we tend to say, well this passage means this to me. Mm. And I think that sometimes these tools help remind us, um, I think institutionally, academically, we call it authorial intention. Mm-hmm. What was the intention, intended meaning from the author, who was God, right? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we, we make, we, we live in an ooey-gooey, personalized society. Well, there is no personalized meaning. So the great thing is with a lot of these super wise men and some women that have written these things, we can really learn from years, decades, two millennia mm-hmm. of study. Right. And it would be silly not to go out there and to look at it and and try to glean from that. Now, uh, we're going to be rolling next week right into um, Bible translations. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give anybody a sneak peek or maybe something to whet their appetite on that? Yeah, um, so uh, I think next week we're going to talk about really um, the only Bible translation you should be using. Really? No. Oh, you're not? No. no. Oh, man, at, come at, on. At least it got people's attention. Oh, yeah. That's what, there's only one Bible that Jesus used. Exactly. We <laughs> all know which one that was. Yep, and it starts with a K. No, just kidding. Oh, very good. Well, that that's exciting. And again, uh, we'd like to thank Dr. Matthew McKellar of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary for um, joining us. Man, has that been interesting or what? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. It's cool. I mean, we love talking about it. There's a certain amount of education rolling around between these two microphones, but it is cool to, to have a subject matter expert who can really illumine this. Kind of makes me sort of want to go back to seminary. Mm, 
I meant it again so you don't want to. Okay. <laughs> well, very good. Well, thank you so much. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this as much as we have enjoyed producing it. Again, as always, remember, um, this this isn't so we can listen to each other talk, although we, we, we enjoy talking and having conversations. This is about the power of God's Word and how it changes lives. And the more we understand it, the more we can learn about God's will, God's purpose in our life, the more we can be all He called us to be. God's Word has changed our life. We know it can change yours. Thank you for joining us so much. Join us next week as we continue our five-part summer series on the Bible. Have a great week. Bye.